Um, I'm Debbie, in case you don't know, married to John, who was just leading us in the Lord's Supper then. And um, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever set yourself um, something to do with great purpose, like um, renovating a house or running a marathon, uh, maybe um, deciding to raise money for some worthy cause? And uh, you start off with this great sense of purpose and vision. And then the challenges start to come. And they're so big, they kind of stop you in your tracks. They make it really, really difficult for you. Well, I want to start tonight by um, playing the trailer of the film Suffragette, which I saw this week. And um, these are women who were fighting for the right uh, for women to vote in the early 1900s. Let's just watch this. should not exercise judgment in political affairs. If we allow women to vote, it will mean the loss of social structure. Vote for women! Vote for women! Vote for women! I'm done. <laughs> you work at the laundry? Part-time from when I was seven, full-time from when I was 12. We meet Mondays and Thursdays if you're interested. You're a suffragette, Mrs. Elliot. I consider myself more of a soldier. As Mrs. Pankhurst says, it's deeds, not words, that will get us the vote. We've identified weaknesses in their ranks. We're hoping one of them will break. They're saying she's to speak. This is a deliberate escalation. This has to stop. We have labored peacefully to secure the vote for women. We've been ridiculed, battered, and ignored. Punish those responsible, whatever way you can. <laughs> Mama! All my life, I've done what men told me. Well, I can't have that anymore. Took my love, took it down. I incite the women in Britain to rebellion. Can I sail through the changing ocean tides? Can I handle the seasons of my life? We break windows. We burn things. Because war's the only language men listen to. Well, I've been afraid of changing. There's nothing left but to stop you. We're in every home. We're half the human race. You can't stop us all. You might lose your life before this is over. I'm getting older too. We will win. I take my love, take it down. Never surrender. Never give up the fight. In the snow covered hill. A very, very worthy purpose with masses of challenges as they face being beaten up and put in prison and all these extraordinary challenges uh, for the sake of women being able to vote. Well, I want to tell you another story. It's uh, about a woman in our church. Her name is Rose. I've known Rose for many years. She used to pray with me, uh, with a number of us, uh, at the prayer meeting before the evening service. She's one of the most caring people will do anything for anybody. She's led small groups and a number of different things. 
And, uh, but, but Rose carried a pain. Uh, a, a part of her life was in agony. And it was a sort of secret. And uh, she was faced with an opportunity to receive healing by going on the Power to Change course. It's a wonderful course. But the challenge was that she would have to tell her story to other people. So here was this purpose to receive healing, an opportunity to be restored, to be transformed, a great purpose. But as she made herself vulnerable, she faced that challenge, and it was very, very painful. You see, Rose had been sexually abused as a child repeatedly by somebody who she trusted, somebody who she should have been able to depend on. But as she started the journey with Power to Change and she began to open up and receive prayer, the Holy Spirit uh, was part of this whole kind of course and it was life transforming for her. And she has really changed since that time. It's been an amazing journey. And she's really been able to testify to this great healing in her life. But then she was asked, would she come and be part of the program, part of the course, to help other people by telling her story? And that's another great purpose, to see other people restored. But again, the challenge of making herself vulnerable, opening up to other people, trusting them with this deep, dark secret that needed to come to light and to help other people be inspired so that they too could bring something that they were carrying to light. Now, if you want to do the Power to Change course, um, it starts on Sunday, November the 1st, 4.45 till 7 p.m. at the Arches. A wonderful course to do. So I'm speaking today about purpose and challenge. And I want us to look at Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 to 14. So as you're looking up, maybe in a Bible or one of your devices, and if you don't have one, it will come up on the, on the screen. Um, just to give you some background, the disciples have been gathered by Jesus, and they have watched Jesus proclaim the kingdom, talk about the kingdom of God. They've seen him heal many people, cleanse lepers. They've actually seen him calm the storm. Can you imagine watching Jesus by his word tell the sea to calm down, which it did, the winds to stop, and the rain to stop? I mean, amazing things they saw. They saw him minister with power and authority. And so this is what he says to them when he brings them, together, brings them together in Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 1. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal um, every disease and sickness. And then he lists, the, the names are listed in this book. And then uh, verse chapter 5, it goes on. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. 
If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. So he gives them these instructions with great purpose, they're to proclaim the message of the kingdom. They're to heal the sick, they're to raise the dead. Freely you've received, freely give, he says to them. Now the purpose was to advance the kingdom of God, to demonstrate it, to do the things that they had seen Jesus do. They had seen Jesus go into impossible problems, despairing places, heartbreaking situations, things affecting families, communities, livelihoods, and survival. And they were told to go with the authority that was given by Jesus to them, to tell people amazing news. Now this is what the kingdom message meant for people. It meant freedom is here. It meant God has come. It meant he wants to, rest he wants to restore you. Everything is going to be put right. And tell them, Jesus said, tell them this is true and prove it to them by demonstrating the power of the kingdom, by setting people free, by healing the sick, uh, from disease, lepers from diseases and, and cleansing them and, and even authority to raise the dead. Now, I love the parts of the kingdom that are about people experiencing something supernatural. I love to um, pray for people who don't know Jesus and uh, who probably don't even consider God in their everyday thinking. Um, we were in Edinburgh in around May time, um, John and I and Zach and Lizzie, so Zach's my eldest son with his wife Lizzie. And we were having one of those breaks and we booked into a hotel, it was a bargain price. And uh, we went to the check-in and there was a lady behind the desk and she clearly had, um, she was in pain. And we asked her what was wrong and she said she had serious back problems. And she was in pain then and I knew that I should have prayed for her, but at that moment I chickened out. And uh, I regretted it for the next few days, and I kind of kept thinking and asking God that he would give me another opportunity. But she wasn't around until the last morning when there were loads of people there checking out. We got up to the counter, and there she was. And so um, as she was sort of entering our details, I, I leant across and I said, how's, how's your back? She said, it's still in a lot of pain. So I kind of reached over and I touched her hand and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command the pain to go. And she looked at me, and uh, kind of shocked, and I said, How, how's your back? Anyway, she moved it around, she said, it's nearly all gone. So I prayed again, just there, immediately, I just said, in the name of Jesus, I command all this pain to leave your body. And she kind of looked up with tears in her eyes, and she said, well, what is it? It's gone, what, what, what was that? And I said, that's the power of Jesus, he loves you, he wants you to know that you matter to him, something along those lines. Anyway, I didn't feel I needed to say any more, I just deposited a seed into her life. I love those experiences. Now the invitation of the kingdom is much broader and wider than that. It's far more than's listed in this very passage. The, the invitation of the kingdom and the announcement of the kingdom and the demonstrations of the kingdom are throughout the scriptures. We can demonstrate it in all sorts of ways. We are called by Jesus with purpose to represent God's ways on earth in ordinary ways and extraordinary ways. We have a billboard. As you approach the um, Trent site from Beeston, you will see the billboard. And on the billboard, it says, embrace the extraordinary. 
It's about freeing people's imagination. We want people to see that board and they see the, um, the kind of the graphics there and they come past the building and then on the way back and they'll notice there's a connection between that billboard and our building. We want them to know that something extraordinary is going on here. You see, people sense God's presence here, believers and unbelievers. People have described what they sense in this room, something extraordinary, something supernatural. There's a, there's a something in this room. They don't quite know uh, how to put it into words. We expect the kingdom of God to advance through every one of us in all places, visible places, hidden places, through everyone in every way. We have a purpose in every setting, in every sphere, in every circle. When you are restored through Jesus to relationship with your heavenly Father, you have a purpose and you can express it in so many ways. You can express it through justice, telling the truth, ethical choices, in fairness, in compassion, in generosity, creativity, reconciliation, hope, ideas, miracles, innovation, care, support. These are the ways we extend God's kingdom in what seem like ordinary ways and extraordinary ways. We have a facilities team in this church some of us may look at that sort of work and think, well, it's really ordinary, isn't it? Painting the building, repairing things. They are called to different parts of our building and the site, left, right, and center. They work tirelessly. But they have an incredible purpose. They make this building serve its purpose. They enable this space to work for us as we extend God's kingdom. They prepare this space so that this is a clean, lovely environment in which we can experience God, in which we can uh, have community together. We can learn together, encourage one another, grow in faith. It's also a place where people from outside can come in into our conferences. It's people come in and sometimes they find that inadvertently they are serving God's purposes for our city. A couple of years ago, um, I was in this room and there, it was filled with people from different spheres, education, the NHS, um, people from the university, uh, different religious groups, and they had come to interview a panel of candidates um, who were possibly going to be voted in as the police crime commissioner, the next one, and they were asking him, them, the different ones who were kind of answering questions, all lots of difficult questions. So they were, really, it was part of God's purposes for our city, for the best for our city. In 2016, after Christmas, we will be hosting a conference here on domestic violence. People from all spheres of culture and society here in Nottingham will be coming together to talk about this subject and how we can resolve this big problem in our society. Our plumber, who came to service our boiler this week, had been in this building um, because there was something going on with Eon, I think, uh, one of the, you know, a company here. And he'd come in, and we had been talking to him about the Lord. We, I think, might have prayed for him once. And uh, we've never got him to come to anything in our building, invited him to things. And he's never said yes to anything, but he found himself in the building. And, of course, he was really inspired. He had no idea the size. You know, people don't realize how many Christians... How many Christians there are in this city? How many people actually follow Jesus? And it would have made him think. On top of that, our facilities team involve volunteers. People, some of them are in recovery from addiction. Some of them are given opportunity to develop skills, uh, to work and do something useful, something with purpose. 
So our purpose here at Trent Vineyard is to step into both the ordinary and the extraordinary, the natural and the supernatural. You may find that the job that you do, you feel absolutely called to that job. John's brother, my husband's brother, he got to, in the 40s, uh, his middle age, and uh, he had a bit of a crisis as he realized that his skills were wonderful. Um, he trained as an engineer, he's a project manager, and he had been instrumental in you know, uh, building motorways and bridges and all sorts of great things for our nation. But in his middle age, he began to ask God, is there something that you want me to do with my skills? And now what he does is he project manages um, the eradication of certain diseases in Africa and now planning to eradicate tropical diseases around the world. It's a massive job and uh, he is part of this huge project. You may be called to work with children, uh, caring for them, showing them how to love God and serve his purposes. You may be called into politics to be a voice of influence um, for justice in our nation. It could be a number of different jobs, a number of different ways in which you feel that the work that you do is a calling to serve God's purposes in that place. But you might find equally that you are in a job that you don't feel is you, that most of the time that you spend in your, on your weeks, weeks and your days, you, you are just not feeling that that role, that job is where God has really called you. But you are able to serve God's purposes there at that time. My son, uh, Jordan, he felt that um, God called him to go back to work uh, selling cars, be part of um, front of house in a car sales room. He doesn't particularly want to sell cars. He doesn't feel that that's what God's called him to. But he felt God say, just go there and you'll be a blessing. And so he gave himself to praying for his colleagues, to demonstrating generosity and kindness. On one occasion, he said to them all, as he was going off for the weekend, because he didn't have to work weekends, but all the guys involved in sales and, and uh, servicing were all working for the weekend. And he said, what do you want me to pray? What do you want me to pray for? And they said, we need desperately to sell more cars. You know, we've just not been doing really well. And so he said, right, we're going to pray for that. And they prayed, and that weekend, they absolutely smashed through um, and, and made loads more sales. Every one of us has a purpose in the place that we find ourselves. But with that purpose comes challenge. In Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus um, is, has sent the disciples out with instructions, he, he sort of warns them. He says to them, um, let me just see where we're starting. Starting at verse 9. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for your journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay in there, that house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Now for the disciples, he was saying to them, you are going to go with nothing. No money, no extra clothes. You don't know where you're gonna stay. You don't know whether you're gonna find somebody who's gonna open their home to you. And it may not be a great experience even if you do. Be prepared to be rejected. 
So directly or indirectly, there will be challenges. Every purpose comes with challenge. Take parenting, for example. Parenting is an amazing purpose to it. It is just phenomenal. My parents had four daughters, and there were dramas every week. I mean, we were sick. One of us was sick most of the time. But I remember one occasion when we were little girls, and somebody had given us some boiled sweets. And we were sitting together. I remember being in my parents' bedroom, and my parents must have been in bed, but we were all around the room. And then all of a sudden, it became apparent that my little sister was choking on her boiled sweet. She was about one, one and a half years old. Nobody should have given her one, and I don't know who gave it to her. But anyway, she had gone quiet, and you could tell by her face that this thing was stuck in her throat. She wasn't breathing. My mother leaps out of bed and grabs her, and I, I remember vividly this scene where she, my mum is holding Tasha, my younger sister, over the sink. Blood is pouring out of my sister's mouth as my mother has got her hand down my sister's throat, digging out this boiled sweet. She saved her life, and Tasha's alive to this day with a grandchild on the way. You know, with purpose can come so many challenges, burnout, physical exhaustion, emotional pain, burden, criticism, loneliness, hardship, stress. Even in the normal challenges of life and the extra normal challenges. As you live, live out God's purposes in obedience to little things and big things, there may be challenges you never prepared for. I don't know of a single person who hasn't attempted to do something with purpose who doesn't experience challenge. Marriage, marriage is one of those things with great purpose. You know, we get to glorify God in our marriages. We get to reflect the relationship between Christ and his bride as two different entities. You know, Christ and his bride, a man and a woman. You know, I mean, it is enormously challenging to get along two completely different kinds of people. It's a challenge to stay together. There are some people fighting for their marriages where one has betrayed the vows and another one would love to be reflecting God's image, but one of them is just not uh, cooperating. And there's the pain of that challenge. Honoring our parents. Honoring our parents is a wonderful thing. But as they get old and frail, it becomes really challenging. We're facing that challenge this year with John's mom and dad, who are really, really frail. Do we go and fetch them and bring them up and then take them back home again? Do we bring them up and push them up the stairs to bed? You know, how are we going to do Christmas this year with them? It's a real challenge, but we must honor them. Working diligently, not taking shortcuts, trying to make things fair, not telling lies at work when it's a culture of deception. At the same time, our own culture is a culture that medicates pain. We cannot bear discomfort. We don't like um, anything that doesn't help us to feel good or happy or comfortable or secure. We believe it's our right to feel good in life. When we take on um, something with great purpose, if there's challenges, if we feel we're in control, we're kind of prepared to enter the challenges. But when we feel it's something that, that is out of our control, that we weren't prepared for, we find it very, very difficult. When God invites us to step into obedience and faithfulness into something that isn't our choice, it wasn't our dream of an adventure, when he says, you know, I want you to do this particular thing, it can be really difficult then to face the challenges and to be faithful and obedient. 
Some of you will know who I mean by Heidi Baker, Heidi and Roland Baker. They have an amazing ministry in Mozambique. It's called Iris Global. They see incredible signs and wonders. Their ministry is all about taking care of orphans, children who've been orphaned by the AIDS epidemic. They see hundreds and thousands come to faith. They have planted hundreds of churches. They both, uh, Heidi and Roland, written incredibly inspiring books. And when Heidi speaks, it is amazing. We were at New Wine a few years ago when Trent Vineyard used to host Venue 2, a second venue. And on the night that Heidi was speaking, we decided we weren't going to have a speaker. We were just going to video relay um, Heidi speaking across to our venue. So the venue was crammed, and all we were doing was watching a video relay. And Heidi began to speak, but instead of speaking, she found herself on the floor, kneeling down, singing in tongues. And that's what we did for probably the most of half an hour. But it was amazing. The Spirit of God fell. People were weeping. It was just beautiful. They have an amazing ministry, an incredible purpose. But I was really encouraged recently by one of their newsletters. First of all, let me just read part of this newsletter that describes the purpose. In Pemba, we just started another three-month Bible school session with new student pastors from the bush, many of whom are barely aware of any Christian doctrine and still confused about so much. But three of them have already raised the dead and given testimonies in class. The Holy Spirit is opening hearts and bringing in the harvest more than ever, in spite of our weaknesses. Our churches are monuments to the grace of God. We are asked how we keep them all going, organized and feeling like a unified family, but we can offer no adequate human explanation. In spite of all our efforts, we have learned that he is able to melt hearts and keep people connected in spirit by his own power and build a hunger for the Savior that conquers every obstacle. This is his revival, his church, his display of glory, and he qualifies us to do the work. But then comes the challenge in this newsletter. Our years in Pemba have been tumultuous, intense, filled with demonic attacks, violence, threats, opposition from the government, discouragement, theft, loss, disappointments, failures, staff turnover, and the constant, unrelenting demands of extreme poverty and disease all around us. It almost seems that our capabilities and resources were no match for the challenges we faced every day, resulting in a level of chaos and stress that literally threatened our health and lives. Intense witchcraft and a lack of exposure to familiar standards of right and wrong made our work, work in this very remote part of the world seem all the more impossible. Heidi and I remember many times when we did not know how we would continue, often wondering if, re if we really had good lasting fruit that was worth the sacrifice. What is the key, folks? What is the key to managing the challenge in the purpose. What is the key to the challenges that you're facing right now? In your home, in your families, the challenges at work, the challenges financial, the challenges emotional. What is the key to the health challenges that you're facing? Folks, we're a people with great purpose. The purpose keeps us motivated and inspires us and living to the full, but then the challenges come and they rob us of passion. They give us unbearable stress. So what is the key? Well, the key is found in the very first verse of this chapter 10. 
The very first words. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. He called his disciples to him and gave them authority. Two little words. His and him. The disciples were his. They had been close to him, called by him. They had seen Jesus at work. They had seen his nature, his power, his authority. Their confidence was in him. The key to the challenge is him. It's Jesus. It's the awesome man who lived 2,000 years ago. The awesome man Jesus. We celebrated his death on the cross as we took the bread and we dipped it in the juice. He's the Jesus who lives today. He's the Jesus we see in the scriptures, his tenderness, his compassion, his wisdom, his teaching, his life of poverty, his sacrifice, his power. And we know even more than the disciples knew when he sent them out with his authority, we know this side of the cross that he died to carry the burden of the sin of the whole world, past, present, and future, that he dealt with it so that we could be totally connected to God the Father. We know this side of the cross, that he was raised from the dead. Jesus is the glorious risen one, the one who intercedes for us, the one who comes to us by his spirit. Jesus is the one that we bow, that we yield to. He's the one we run to and we hide in. He's the one who leads us, who speaks to us, who comforts us, who connects us directly to the Father. Folks, it's not a feeling, right? This is a reality. This is how I see it. It's like a seesaw. A seesaw where on one end we have purpose. A great purpose, an inspiring purpose, something that we feel called to. But on the other end we have a challenge. A huge challenge sometimes. A challenge that distracts us from the purpose. You know, it, it distracts us and we start to face the challenge and we don't think we can cope. But what if you knew that in the center of the purpose and the challenge was Jesus? Jesus bringing the balance to those two when they kind of get out of kilter. What if you absolutely knew with certainty that Jesus is in the center of it all? He's the one who gives us the purpose. He says, you know, go for it, go for it, go for the purpose. But then when the challenge comes along and you find it too difficult, he says, give it to me. Give it to me. Let me, take the Let me take the challenge on me. Let me take the weight of it. Now, a few months ago, um, a friend of ours, Clive, who's a member of this church, uh, he's been helping us with um, a few things, sorting out structures and things here at Trent and within the movement that we're taking on. And, um, and he told us this story of his kids when he went to the park with them. And he has an older child, an older son, and a younger son. So one was heavy and the other was lighter when they were little. And he would, they would go to the park and they'd play on the seesaw. And of course they get on the seesaw and the, the heavier one would kind of get on it and the younger one would go right up here. And, and the, no matter how much the heavier one tried to lift off, he couldn't get the younger one down, you see. So little one is terrified up here, worrying, you know, at, at the height of the seesaw, which he couldn't get down from. And the, and the older one is bored because he wants to have a go going up high, you see. So Clive would sit in the middle 
and he would bring the balance, you see. So he would lean, if, the, if when the little one was up there, he would lean on this side so that the older, heavier one could have a go up there. And then when that got a little bit worrying and the little one wanted a bit more excitement, he would lean on the other side, you see. And so he would help them have fun on the seesaw and he would bring the balance and uh, help them uh, enjoy the seesaw for what it was worth. Folks, there's only one person who we need to hold us together in the ups and downs of the purpose and the challenge. It's Jesus. It's relationship with him. He's the key to this story. He's the key. We are his. We go in him. Later on in the book of Luke, there's another very, very similar account when Jesus sends out 72 people with the same instructions. And they go out and they see the sick healed and they see demons come out of people. And they come back rejoicing and excited by what they see. They've seen the power of God overcome Satan's work. But Jesus um, reminds them when they come back rejoicing because of all they've seen. They've seen Satan uh, kind of flee in the name of Jesus, in the power of Jesus. But he says to them, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice not because you're caught up in the excitement of the purpose, achieving great things for God, signs and wonders, supernatural things, extraordinary things, ordinary things, hard work things. Don't get too excited about that. All these purposes, all these accomplishments are amazing, but they're not so amazing as knowing that your book is written, your name is written in heaven, that you are connected to the Father, that you are in relationship with Jesus, that his spirit is in you. Jesus is hinting here at a much greater purpose for our lives. The main purpose of our lives is to love Jesus and be connected to Jesus and to worship Jesus with our whole beings Joyful, excited because our names are written in heaven. Because we are connected passionately to Jesus and to the Father through Jesus. That the Holy Spirit is available to us. Every day, God wants us to be in a place of exuberant joy because we know that connection. Come hell or high water, or if you're bored to tears, your purpose is not in the challenge or the purpose. Your purpose is to worship Jesus. That's your ultimate purpose in everything that you do, in everything that you think. If you're ever caught in prison because of something you've been doing for Jesus, or if you find yourself at the height of, of wealth because of something that you've achieved in a great way, you are to worship Jesus. Last year, um, we call in the vicar of Baghdad, Canon Andrew White. He was here with us, and it was an amazing visit. He has... Um, been working in Iraq for many, many years. And in that time, he has seen many of his congregation, many who have come to faith in Jesus, uh, lose their lives at the hands of extreme uh, extremists, Muslim extremists. And then recently, with ISIS, he has seen members of his congregation um, killed, and some of them children. I mean, terrible things have been part of his, uh, the life of his congregation. Eventually, he had to come back to the UK. But while he was here, what was so amazing 
wasn't so much the stories of the things that they'd accomplished or the things that they'd suffered. It was the joy he had in Jesus. He literally walked around on this stage singing, I'm so happy, I'm so happy. It was childlike. It was delightful and bizarre. Utterly, utterly bizarre in some ways. Out of my, my experience, how could this man be so joyful in his relationship with Jesus? Heidi and Roland uh, end their newsletter. These two amazing people with an incredible ministry, giving homes to orphans, teaching them to live the life that Jesus lived. The children themselves see incredible miracles at their hands when they tell sickness to flee. The children are moving in power. And this is how they end their newsletter. Our hearts, they say, must have perfect relationship, a perfect union between us and our Savior. In the Holy Spirit, we were never meant to be alone for a moment. Our whole motive is to live life and do everything together with our God and to, do, and to take pleasure in his company always. Our power to live comes entirely from our satisfying relationship with him. And to stay there is to stay in our own private revival that cannot be disturbed by anything else. Only when that relationship is golden, incandescent, and pure enough do we have the power to delight in all that God has richly provided for us to enjoy. This is our purpose, folks. This is our purpose as a church here at Trent Vineyard. This is your purpose as individuals wherever you go, ordinary ways and extraordinary ways. Ultimately, to worship God with your whole lives, to love him and enjoy him. That is your ultimate purpose. And that is what's gonna keep you stable in the madness of the purpose and the challenges. Why don't we stand?